This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. Coming this summer to a theater near you. Three men, 16 categories, hundreds of choices. Watchers can't enjoy stress and squirm over decisions that, in the long run, don't really matter. Yet they'll never quite recover from this episode of Bacon Sale. Wow. Good timed. I've never found you more attractive than I do right now, Joel. <laughs> Welcome to Bacon Sale. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And Jacob. Hello, Joel. <laughs> that voice. <laughs> Hello, Joel. Uh, like thank I've you for, you that for the first time. <laughs> I need to go. <laughs> Got to call my young men's leader. <laughs> uh, interesting. Uh, but yes, we'd like to thank you. We'd like to welcome you, first of all, to the show. And then thank you for listening to our last episode, our Game of Thrones introduction after the yeah. series had ended. Actually, that we did a great job as far, I mean, just because it's bacon cell, but as far as not spoiling the entire show. Not spoiling and keeping it very family friendly. Yeah. Also, thank you for the feedback, everyone. There were many, I would say about half the comments that were like, I've either seen it or I've watched a few seasons and I may get back into it. And some people are like, content wise, I just can't. And I totally get it. Yeah. Well, and one of my favorite comments was actually from Matt Smudrow. Matt's. He said, honestly, I wish I didn't listen to this podcast. Now I actually want to watch Game of Thrones. Sounds like something up my alley. Yeah. I was like, I get it. It worked. I get it. it." (laughs) Matt's like my new favorite. But yeah, like we said, there's, you know, there's different ways of watching it depending on what your level is. So, you know, give it a listen if you want to. And you you can get the introduction without getting any spoilers. And we keep it family friendly. So if you avoided last episode, go back and give it a listen. You may end up like Matt's. Good. Unless you don't want to, then avoid it. Matt's is my favorite. So be like Matt's. (laughs) All right. So that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah. What are we talking about today, Jacob? It's interesting. We don't have anything else to discuss. We can get right into this. Oh, it feels relaxing. Ooh. I want a song. Can you just make up a song on the spot? Mats. <laughs> no, a new one. Mama. Mike, no. Okay. Quick story. Quick story that we'll okay. get into. I apologize. Yeah. But so I practice those songs at home multiple times before I come in here because mm-hmm. I want to make sure I get the timing right. I want to make sure I get the syllables right. I want it to sound good. Mm-hmm. So I worked on them a lot at home. And my three-year-old, uh, my, 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 four, my five-year-old, he was around saying mats. We already talked about that. Yeah. But my three-year-old uh, this past weekend was walking around going, no, can't thank you. No, we can't thank you. No, we can't thank you. No. Which was the... Singing uh, thank you, Nicole, yeah. the Nine Inch Nails version. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my <laughs> word. I was like, I, I didn't know what she was saying. And I was like, what are you saying? And then she started singing. I'm like, oh, of all the songs, that's the one you picked you up on. You do realize when he is like 14 years old and enters his like goth phase. This is my daughter. She will yeah. blame you. Yeah, she joined stage crew and yeah. be like, this is a song my dad used to sing well, to me. She just wears Nine Inch Nails t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. The problem is I also, I have this mashup song where it's uh, Call Me Maybe music, but the lyrics of Head Like a Hole. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a good and one. It's a good it's, one. It's yeah. a great mashup, but I play it way too much around the house. And my kids, I think, are starting to pick up on that the lyrics are kind of darker. <laughs> just a little bit. it sounds so happy. This is Joel, uh, everyone. Yeah. Dark and happy. All right. So, but Jake, what are we really talking about today? <laughs> today, we're going to talk about the history of summer blockbusters, and we're going to have a the whole category. History. It history. might as well be because it's a category show, so we're covering all yeah, summer all encompassing summer blockbusters. Yes. I cannot show. tell you. I cannot tell you how stressful this show was for me because hundreds of movies. I looked up the stats, and there are like seven hundred to eight hundred movies released annually, and that's not including like Bollywood films. That's like theatrically released, you know. Guys, Hollywood guys, films. guys, when are we going to do our Bollywood show? <laughs> 
Wait, what's happening? We need a Bollywood show. We do? Yeah, yeah. We can do like the top Bollywood movies, and uh, you guys need to watch at least two hundred of them, though, just to make sure you don't give the the listener any ideas. Two hundred were just released yesterday. But it, it's funny you say there's that many movies, and I I do I probably see about a hundred films per year. Wow, yeah, it's a lot of it's too many, honestly. Right. I like how we're gonna pick from about twenty five summer blockbusters <laughs> on this show. Well, so the summer blockbusters sixteen. Well, sixteen, but you know the same twenty five. Kent and I had to pick a winner for each one of our sixteen categories, and. It was difficult because we, we had to put parameters on it, first yep. of all. We had to say it had to be released from May to August. This is no Jacob rules, by the way. Yes, we went very back strict. To, back to, yeah. So May to August is what's considered summer. And mm-hmm. they also had to be a financial success because they had to be a blockbuster. In fact, if I may define blockbuster for you. Let's hear it. It's a defunct it is, video store. Yeah, exactly. Mansplain this to me. <laughs> Mansplain it to you? <laughs> yeah. You'd probably know it if you saw it. <laughs> it's a thing of great power or size. In particular, a movie, book, or other product that is a great commercial success. So, so commercial success. had to be yeah. successful. Yeah, I would say at least double its budget back and sometimes much, much more. And there's only one where I kind of fudged on that. Oh, we'll But it's see. because that was the intent of the category. Hmm. And so it has, but it has to be Jacob a blockbuster Rose. or tentpole. Jacob yeah. Rose. Like okay, I'm, was, not saying, it, I'm not saying it even needs a sequel. It needs to be this big event that maybe changed the way action movies were seen, for example. Well, or it just, to me, it was like if it, had a lot of, yeah. if it had a, a lot of hype surrounding it, yeah. like it was built up as the summer movie blockbuster, but didn't quite reach it. Are blockbusters, That's a different show. are flops considered blockbusters, though? No. Well, kind of. Well, well they we'll, have to we'll be get, commercial successes. You just said that. They're commercially successful, but not as successful as maybe they want to be. Okay. Okay. Are you guys ready to start? Yeah. Let's do it. That's a good that's a good background. Okay. So you guys said May to August, right? Yes. yes. Starting in nineteen seventies nineteen seventy five, actually. Nineteen seventy five is kind of when the blockbuster began with Steven Spielberg and Jaws. That's kind of what kicked it off. And then of course you got because you know, back then summertime was the dead time for movies. Yes. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so but then they start that's when it all started. It's kinda of like, no, we can really prop these up as like the thing to do in the summertime. And now it's a it's a thing. Like most of the biggest movies of the year are released in the summertime. And one thing to remember as Joel and I are suffering through our answers is, <laughs> of course, we're going to duplicate a lot of we're going to have a lot of repeat answers amongst each other, but we're not going to duplicate our answers throughout the categories. Right. Yes. Meaning if we use we already use Jaws as an example, like yes. the first one, if we use Jaws once in as an answer to a category, we cannot use it again. That's it. And we'd like to apologize for using the primary answers. <laughs> we did feel like that. We felt like because we did our summer blockbuster uh, Mount, Mount Rushmore, Rushmore. Mount Rushmore of, of summer movies last year. And I found myself repeating a lot of answers. And I said, Ken, I feel like I'm giving the primary answers where it's like Jaws, Star Wars, Prey, Regis of Yours. Yeah. But, the, but the reality is there's only a few of these, right? Oh, you'd be surprised. Okay, well, like, we'll so see. Let's begin. Ken gave me a list and it was, I, it was both helpful and harmful because... It opened up so many possibilities, but it opened up so many possibilities. Okay. I think he's going hipster. I like this. this. I like no, this. No, not as much. I'm okay. mainstream. You know that. First category, gentlemen. What is the first blockbuster you remember seeing in the theater? I'll go first because I'm older. <laughs> by, so I, I by how first. much? <laughs> I, uh, about a year. Okay. So I, I wanted to bring this up because I... I've seen a bunch of these movies that were like, you know, 81, 82, 83, 84, like that kind of stuff. At home eventually on VHS. But I, yeah, I, I can't remember if I saw it in the theaters or if I saw it at home, but I'm assuming for a while there, it definitely was at home because my parents weren't taking it. Yeah, but there. you have a fuzzy memory. You feel like you saw it in the theater. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's weird how like the first memory I have of a movie theater isn't a blockbuster. 
it was just you know another movie. Yeah. So I tried to, to pin it down to the first movie I remember seeing, or at least I, I think I remember seeing. You know how sometimes that happens in the movie theaters. That was a blockbuster movie, and that was 1989's Batman. This is one I was probably about nine years old, and I, I actually texted my dad. And I'm like, "Did you take me to that? Because I'm pretty sure as a nine year old kid, I didn't go to see that by myself." And he was like, "Well, maybe." And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> or maybe you went by yourself. I just gave you bus money and you just went on your own yeah. with your buddy. And uh, June came out in June and two that. Gave, okay. gave you a nickel and sent you to the cinema. And this is like the one where, okay, so budget was $35 million. It made $411 million. So this, oh, wow. money. this got its budget back. And this was the kind of the movie. Granted, we had Superman in the late 70s, early 80s. And then it kind of died down. And then this movie kicked off again that superhero movies could be taken seriously. They could be awesome. And I just wanted to bring up a couple of fun facts about this. Uh, for example, Burton actually approached Pierce Brosnan to be Batman, but Pierce turned it down, saying he had no interest in a comic book character. He also offered Ray Liotta a role, and Ray Liotta turned it down, and he has since kind of regretted that. Well, he's in B-Movie, and he Can, had his own brand of honey in that movie. Yeah, well, it's funny because like, <laughs> you think of Michael Keaton in that role, and people accept him now as Batman. Like When he says, I'm Batman to people, yes. it gets a cheer. Back then, people freaked out. And yeah, they, he's a comedic actor. Yeah. They had 50,000 protest letters sent to the Warner Bros. Wait, 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 wait. This petition thing is not new to 2019? Apparently not, because they, sent, they wrote letters and sent 50,000 letters. And it was about as effective as a change.com petition. <laughs> Change.org. Control. Yeah, sure. Take it more seriously, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, for the Joker, people that were considered were Tim Curry, David Bowie, John Lithgow. John Lithgow actually auditioned. Honestly, any one of those would have been a great Joker. It yeah, would have been kind of interesting. Sound fine, yeah. But John Lithgow actually tried to talk Tim Burton out of casting him because he didn't really get the role and he didn't think it was such a big deal. Wow. So, well, remember at the time you had Superman 1 and 2 and I think they made 3 by this point. I think 4 even came out before 80. Yeah, and so 3 and 4 were bombs, but there were there was only Superman to go off of. Yeah. And so Batman needed to be taken seriously and then it was, but people probably didn't expect this. Well, in the last Batman movie was the 60s Batman, yeah. uh, Batman the movie which had shark bat shark repellent. Yeah. That kind of movie. It was hilarious Love and it. dumb. But this movie, uh, I remember going to see it and I remember thinking it was pretty dark but really liking it and like i was obsessed for a while there i wanted the toys you i wanted dance the posters. with the devil in the pale moonlight i quoted that line so many times absolutely i've reenacted the movie but batman is the first one i think i remember seeing in the theaters so yeah. that's my blockbuster that's fantastic nice. mine was the same year it's probably within a month of that one so i was eight years old and it was indiana jones and the last crusade great choice that was another one i was looking at yeah so i had seen raiders of the lost ark a few times and i actually even at a young age i knew how special that movie was mm -hmm. that you don't and i'm going to talk about kind of the indiana jones series because this is the only time i'll be using indiana jones at all but you don't see the character for the first couple minutes of the movie like it has yeah. to introduce him in the coolest way but i watch temple of doom more than i did raiders of the lost ark because that was kind of the saturday morning movie yeah <laughs> what a saturday morning watching people rip out each other's hearts <laughs> kalima but then Last Crusade was one that I actually anticipated being eight years old going, I need to see this movie. And I was so excited to see this kind of event Ilsa. at the theater. And yes, Ilsa. In fact, this movie works because it takes a lot of the themes, like the, obviously the religious themes and the romance themes from the other movies mm -hmm. and makes them more complex. Like well, it, actually the romance angle in this movie backfires against Indy and it never really did before. Mm -hmm. Like this in the fact that, you know, his, his dad is in this movie and that Sean Connery is his dad. That pairing of Sean Connery and Harrison Ford was a stroke of genius. It really yeah. was. Yeah. This was made for $48 million, made $474 million. Did quite well. 
Uh, and also as like a kid watching this movie, like he uses his like archaeology skills to solve problems in this movie. Mm-hmm. You get more Sala, you get more Marcus. And also at the beginning, because as you a kid... less disturbing face melting. Yes, absolutely. But you get to see young Indiana Jones. And as a, as a kid, you're like, I could be that guy. Yeah. You know, as, as Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. he's unapproachable. He is one of a kind. But you see young Indiana Jones and he is told by the man in the hat, you lost today, kid. But that doesn't mean you have to like it. And I really took that to heart. I was like, yeah, I may fail. But that's okay. Well, the funny thing about that, too, is they did the, I don't want to say prequel, yeah, but like showing how he came to be right, because it shows how he got the scar on his chin, how he got his hat. It's perfect. It, like was, a, it was a proper amount of exposition, even though it was really forced. Exactly. Because you get the ones like Solo, where it's like, oh, you're traveling alone. I'm going to call you Solo. And we're like, we didn't need to know that. Right. We didn't need a whole movie just to see where the dice came from or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Indiana Jones Last Crusade did it so well. Isn't it crazy that that series ended in 1989? Like, because I'm not counting Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, yeah. But this <laughs> this great trilogy ended yeah. so long ago. Are they planning another one, too? Yeah, they are. Yeah. And, you know. But oh, Harrison Ford has stated that after he's he's dead, he's just like, no one, no one can They need play. to cancel the character entirely. Yeah. But I do want to see the Mutt Williams franchise. <laughs> like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> but yeah, Mutt. So this started it all for me. I mean, I did see a few movies before then. They're mostly Disney ones like you, Joel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one was the big, big movie for me. Yeah. Jake, do you have a? Do you remember the first one? Did you guys have a theater in Missouri? You guys are going to be a little surprised because I was much older. Jurassic Park is the first one I remember. That was oh, okay. a, that was a so you were what? Probably okay. eleven years old. Yeah, twelve something like yeah, that. Yeah, came out ninety three. So ninety three. So yeah, um, yeah, eleven. Uh, I think I saw. Did, what year did Aladdin come out? Ninety four. 94? Okay. No, that's no, Lion King. King. 92, 92. I think 92, okay. Because I remember seeing Aladdin. That's basically the first one I remember seeing in a theater. Except I think that was a winter release. Except yes. that wasn't summer. I, I yeah. can't remember for sure. But yeah, Jurassic Park, I remember everyone's like, yeah, I have to go see this. The uh, big dinosaurs, and they look really real. I'm like, okay. And I went in like, that was cool. And <laughs> that was pretty much <laughs> That's it. such a Jake reaction. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, oh, that's kind of scary Can sometimes. I hunt it? Huh. <laughs> Can I kill it? <laughs> it has no use for me. Clever girl. You guys ready for next category? Yes, yes. sir. Best soundtrack. What blockbuster had the best soundtrack? The impossible category, because this was more of a process of elimination that led to this based on my other choices. Because, for example, if we wanted to use Star Wars, John Wayne's amazing score for this this one, we couldn't use it ever again. Or John Williams' amazing score in Jurassic Park, or John Williams' amazing score in Indiana Jones. Yes. Like it was, it was hard to pick one for this one because there were so other, so many other categories they could have worked in. I went with a soundtrack that is more recent, and by that I mean sixteen years ago. One that gets you your blood pumping. You feel like you can fight Godzilla with this 16 soundtrack. Sixteen years ago, so it's Hulk. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. One of your favorite trilogies of all time. That first movie was amazing. The only movie. The only movie in that series. There's not five of them. So interesting with this one. So there is like a long run because there was there was apparently a, a few directors for this movie and they ended up with Gore Verbinski. Right. And then they were going to get Alan Silvestri to compose this movie. And then there was just a falling out. So then they're like, Hans Zimmer is our guy. And Hans Zimmer is great. Mm-hmm. And he said, nope, I'm doing The Last Samurai. I have prior obligations, but I'll help. So he hired this guy named Klaus Bedelt. Yeah, a lot of people think that Pirates of the Caribbean is a Hans Zimmer score, but it's actually Klaus Bedelt. Yes. Klaus Bedelt, he's done The Scorpion King 2. Catwoman and Starship Troopers 3. 
Man, that is quite and the resume. Pirates of the Caribbean. The, well, the themes in this movie. But the problem is, Kent, is that it's pretty obvious that probably Hans Zimmer wrote the score and then handed it off to Klaus to kind of actually finish it up. It, it's possible, but Hans Zimmer's even said like how little work he did in if this. If you listen to Gladiator and then you listen to Pirates that's of the Caribbean. That's very true. I think Klaus is very like, similar. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Copy my homework, but make it look like you didn't copy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so regardless, I mean, it's Hans Zimmer and he is like he's like my favorite composer. I feel like Klaus maybe sold his soul to the devil for this one because mm-hmm. he's also never really attained that kind of success after that. But Pirates, it was made for $140 million and made $654 million, and it's just kept climbing since then as far as these sequels, if there were any. Right. Yes. We haven't, we're unsure if there are any. Right. So what is your soundtrack of choice, Joel? So I went a little bit opposite because as Kent and I have discussed before, soundtracks versus scores. Yes. Uh, I have the hardest time picking a score so I just went with a soundtrack and there were so many I could choose from. Like, I remember I was just thinking like I could pick one from Fletch where it's like completely campy and dumb, but to me it resonates. Yeah. It's very synthesized. You hear it and you are put back in the movie immediately. Exactly. Or even just that era. And then Top Gun is another one where I was like, I could totally oh, yeah. choose Top Gun because I mean, Highway to the Danger Zone or even just, uh, take my breath away. Falter Myers. Uh, uh, oh yeah. The, the Hopkins score. It's definitely great. But I, I went completely different. I went with Forrest Gump. Oh, so the full-on double okay. double yes. album soundtrack. For the, that double album, I swear everyone owned that. In fact, it, it sold 12 million copies, that soundtrack, and is one of the top-selling albums in the United States. But it features songs by, I'm trying to look right here, Elvis Presley, The Beach Boys, Joan Baez, Aretha Franklin, The Doors, Mamas and the Papas, Simon Garfunkel, Willie Nelson, Leonard Skinner. I mean, like, did anyone listen or watch that movie and didn't think, wow, this soundtrack is really good. Like, yeah. this is a cool compilation. Well, and the cool thing about it is it is this kind of, it's a sampler platter of all mm-hmm. the songs of the ages, right. and, and you can watch the songs progress. And also, they're all American artists. Apparently, that was Robert Zemeckis' thing, where he said, "I only want American artists because that's the only thing." He's a nationalist. That's what Forrest, Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get it. That's fine. <laughs> Little patriot. That's what he said. Forrest Gump wouldn't buy anything but American. And then, but then on top of that, so you have this amazing sampler platter of of rock, uh, rock songs and folk mm-hmm. songs, and soul songs. Era. Yeah. Uh, but then you also get the amazing score, which is also on the album by Alan Silvestri, and you get the Forrest Gump thing, yeah. a Forrest Gump thing with the beautiful feather floating on the air. I, I really enjoy this soundtrack, and the budget for Forrest Gump fifty five million. It made six hundred and seventy seven million. Wow! It did quite well, and I just think this soundtrack is one of the best ones out there. And even though I have referenced it before, we did soundtrack and feels, and mm-hmm. I brought it up then. I'm bringing it up again because. Dang, that's a good soundtrack. Yeah. It's right up there with the Batman soundtrack. <laughs> no, do not <laughs> put those two together. The soundtrack is so bad. Can you sing Bat Dance for me? Bat Dance! <laughs> stop. <laughs> Please stop. Uh, so I, want, I want some more, actually. So, <laughs> All right, next category. What blockbuster had the best lead actress? Another very difficult category. Very Be- subjective category. Yeah. Well, because I, I sat there debating whether I wanted to base it on one solid performance or a multiple, like someone who is yeah. always in a summer block, but like Cameron Diaz, for example, mm-hmm. she had a couple of big She's the hits. it girl of summer. So almost. like for a while there, like she was in the mask. She was in something about Mary. She was in what was Charlie's angels was, yeah, there was another one. There was another one that I was just thinking of, but so there's a bunch that I thought I could do, but I ended up picking one character, one performance. It's a little unorthodox, but I think Kent is going to approve. I chose Charlize Theron from Mad Max yeah. Fury Road. Because oh. <laughs> I was wow. looking at... That's not unorthodox. That seems like a pretty top-tier choice. It, well, it's mostly because it's it's only 2015. It feels a little recent. Mm-hmm. But Furiosa, uh, Charlize Theron plays a character called Furiosa. And this movie's all about this uh, a post-apocalyptic world in which people are just 
trying to survive in giant automobiles. That sounds weird, but but she plays this character who's missing an arm, who's got a shaved head. She's dirty. She's grimy, but she is she's amazing character because she's smart, but she makes mistakes. She's tough, but she's vulnerable. She's a loner, but she also appreciates like teamwork. She really did kind of seem like this kind of altogether character, and she became iconic as soon as as soon as she was on the screen. I've heard yeah. people cosplay as her sometimes. Absolutely, but she uh, is the lead character. This is her story. Oh, totally! Like it's it's called Mad Max Fury Road, but Tom Hardy's a side character. Furiosa yeah. is yeah. where it's at. And also, if you want to talk about other summer blockbuster performances, Charlize Theron has also been in The Italian Job, Hancock, Snow White and the Huntsman, Kubo and the Two Strings, Fate of the Furious. So she's had her share of, yeah. of summery hits. Yeah, but I feel like she's the lead, best lead actress. Great choice. In, uh, summer blockbusters. Okay. I thought you were going to go with my main choice. And so I came up with the secondary. Oh, really? Should I not te- even tease the secondary? Yeah, you could tease it. Uh, okay. Demi Moore and Ghost, just because I wanted to say Ghost. Did you know Ghost <laughs> made 500, five, over $500 million? It was one of those, everyone oh, wow. knew Ghost. Everyone talked about Ghost. Yeah, yeah it was a phenomenon. But yeah. I'm going to go with the performance that I actually really care about. And that's Linda Hamilton in T2 Judgment Day. That was my honorary mm-hmm. Okay, good. That's yeah. a great choice. Because this role, I mean, you see her in the first movie with terrible hair and she plays kind of this victim that's being chased the whole time. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah. It's a horror movie and she is the, the, she's the, the final, final girl. girl. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she ends up being a strong character, but she needs a lot of help. But then you get to T2. And not only is she like just buff and she's unstoppable, there's a lot of vulnerability in the role. And, and she becomes the protector. Yeah. yeah. She is the one that when everyone's really confident with, you know, Arnold's uh, T-800 in that one. I think it's T-800, right? I appreciate it. Right. We'll look at the model later. <laughs> um, but she is the one that still says there's danger out there. This thing can still come after us and you know take you down. And so she is such a strong character. Uh, yeah, yeah, just 800, you're good. Yes, I passed the well test. Done. And so T2 Judgment Day was made for $102 million and made $520 million. Good well job, done. James Cameron. Yeah. Yeah, she's going to be in the uh, sequel. Remember this when year. James Cameron made movies? I know. <laughs> he's, he's going to again. Ten years ago. It's been ten years, Joel. Did you guys know that Terminator Dark Fate, it's the third reattempt? Yeah, it's the third attempt to try to kickstart this series again. It's never... It, that thing is, this term, is a true sequel. Terminator, Terminator was a phenomenon. Was a horror mean? movie phenomenon. Yes. Terminator 2 was an action movie phenomenon. Yes. Every other Terminator that's come since then has been a pale comparison to any It's of just been things. sci-fi vanilla since then. Yeah. yeah. That was my band's name in college. Oh, yeah? <laughs> sci-fi vanilla. What kind of music? Uh, it was actually just me with a bongo. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. So it wasn't really your Did band's Did you ever name. actually come out with an album? Uh, well, I mean, self-released. Oh, okay. <laughs> we need to hear that someday. Yeah, we do. All right, next category is, what is the blockbuster that you wish you could have seen in theaters? I loved this category. Star Wars. 1977. You chose Star that Wars. Star Wars for this yeah, one? Yeah, this is Star Wars. Wow. This predated my birth, obviously, and this movie... You didn't see it when it was released? you really cared, you would have been there. You could have seen I, I saw the special edition. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did see the special edition. <laughs> oh, Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah peek in there but <laughs> well, I, I liked it this came out <laughs> i can't just go through puberty <laughs> he was just this, really surprised this came out on my birth well four years to my birthday it's may 25th of my birthday of 1977 and i would like to be there for the zeitgeist of this movie changing cinema altogether mm-hmm. this was only made for 11 million dollars it made wow. 775 million dollars that's 70s money and that's right yeah there. 70 money so yeah it's it Inflation. is one of the highest grossing movies of all time but, uh, just for inflation. But think about that. There were, uh, you couldn't pre-order your tickets. You waited in line for probably, I, I wonder how long this was in theaters, maybe at least six months of this movie just getting yeah. repeat business and you taking your friends and saying, hey, sci-fi is pretty cool. 
and and you got to see this movie with me. It really did change action movies, sci-fi movies, and well, it's a space opera western, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. if, if that's the appropriate genre. Yeah. But this is the one I wish I could have seen first weekend with people just to capture that moment and just see kind of how people reacted to this weird. Because I mean, you you had space movies in the fifties and sixties, but they were corny and cheesy. And this one, yes, it is kind of corny and kind of cheesy. But it really, I, I wish I could have been there too, just to kind of see it just has magic how the people it. react. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't even think it's the strongest movie anymore, but it is great as like a singular hero's journey before you even knew there were sequels. Yeah. Like such a fun movie. Yeah. It's a great choice. Uh, I can't believe you pulled the ripcord that early in that Star I know, Wars, though. I had to. Because uh, I couldn't think about it anymore. I'm like, no, no, no. One of the ones I was actually thinking about, but it, I, I did end up seeing it, was Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I got to see that in a, theat- in a theater in Ogden at the Egyptian Theater, this okay. old theater. They did a special showing of it. It was great to see it on the big screen. But the one I chose was Ghostbusters. Okay. I would have loved to see Ghostbusters great uh, in, back in 1984 when it came out. I was only four years old, so that wasn't going to happen. But I've often said that movies that you want to see in groups are horror movies and comedies because you want to scream and laugh with groups. It makes it much more enjoyable when mm-hmm. you're like all doing it together and all reacting together. Yeah. And I feel like Ghostbusters is a real... It's, it's, it's horror, horror comedy is a hard mix. A hard, a hard solution to mix, but they did it so well. Where there are parts where it's genuinely terrifying, like when the librarian, Dana, the librarian at the very beginning, yeah. or when Dana's being attacked on the chair, mm-hmm. and then you get the amazing comedy in the movie as well. And this one, I just feel like it was such a well done movie and such a cultural phenomenon. I'd love to have been there for one of those first screenings and then been able to walk out and be like, "You guys, you gotta see this movie." Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, by the way, it was budget was thirty million and it made. Uh, 295 million, so almost 10 times its budget. Yeah, I'm surprised it was only that amount, though. Yeah, it's early 80s money. Yeah, yeah. One odd fact I want to bring up about it, real quick. Yeah. Is the, the you know, the Ecto 1 siren, the mirror, mirror. Of course. I, I want to confirm this on a, a multiple places, but I couldn't find like an audio confirmation. But they're saying the siren sound is a recording of a leopard snarl cut and played backwards. Oh, I love weird. that. That's so bizarre. Is that true, it's though? So random. I, I tried to find an audio version of it, but I found multiple sources Listen, that said that. The only way to do this is to record it, then play it backwards. <laughs> oh, you mean like on <laughs> That's our, the only way not yeah. to Google on it. On our conspiracy theory show? <laughs> yeah. 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 If you haven't, go back and cut that. I think I think it'd be Indiana Jones for me on that. That would, yeah. have, been, that would have been a cool one. The first one, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Okay, next category is the surprise hit for you. Which is... age balanced for you. For you. Yeah, this was the one that you're like, okay, I never saw this coming, but I love this. Yeah. Yeah. And it was an odd choice for me, but when I saw it on the list, that huge list of uh, summer blockbusters, it jumped out to me and I said, I got to go with this How one. old were you? I was 13. 12 to 13. Uh, no, I was 13 when this came out. It was a summer blockbuster. I chose The Fugitive. Wow. Oh, okay. Because. I thought about that one. I'm 13 years old. I've never seen the TV show, The Fugitive, that the movie was based on. I really didn't have any concept of what this movie was going to be about. And I walked out of that movie loving the film that I just saw. Mm-hmm. I think my friends and I actually went to go see it a couple times in the theaters and we were reenacting scenes. We were quoting lines. This was one of those movies. And the best part about this movie, it still holds up. If you watch it now, you're like, that's a good movie. It's very suspenseful. Uh, $44 million uh, budget and it made $368 million. When and you say you'd reenact it... <laughs> 
What do you mean? I mean, there, I you jumped mean, down the like the waterfall. You go in a sewer pipe. That's and, exactly right. Oh, we, yeah. There was a there was a construction site. They were building, I think, a church nearby, and there was a huge pile. And we did that thing where it's like, I believe I didn't you. kill my wife. I don't care. And then we jump off the. Is that where you got that dirt giant pile. scar from? Yeah, actually, it's from the dirt pile. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Tommy Lee Jones I always wondered. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a weird choice, and and it's funny because like the director Andrew Davis, other movies, what has he done? He did like Under Siege and Holes. And oh. the fugitive, and I'm like, these it's are random, really, but all really solid, yeah. But and then you get, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford together, great combination. The the sequel was very disappointing, yeah, with uh, Wesley, Wesley Snipes, yeah, U.S. Marshals, that was terrible. Yeah. But the fugitive, if you haven't seen it in a while, go see it because it might be a surprise hit again for you. I, I would okay. venture to say that maybe a lot of people haven't seen the fugitive because it almost seems like one of yeah, those sleepy crime yeah. thrillers mm-hmm. of the '90s. Yeah, Kent, yeah. what'd you pick? I pick. So I was 30 years old. When I found this one. Oh, okay. So it's t- from 2011, it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> I mean, I've talked about this series quite a bit on this show. You have. Uh, the budget was $93 million. It made $481 million. All right. Let me tell you a little bit of the background about why I didn't care about this. The trailers were terrible. Yeah, the trailers were not good. Yeah, they didn't really tease goodness. There was like, I remember there was like the uh, the guy who was clearly the villain being surrounded by a bunch of apes. And, just to and confirm, then they took down a helicopter at one point. Just to confirm, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is the first the one first of one. the reboot series. Yes. And I'm not talking Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton one from 2001. Well, no one really does. This is, yeah. <laughs> but also, I, I didn't like James Franco, never really have. And he was the star of this movie. Also, the studio, this is right when I became a, a film critic. And the studio said, hey, critics, we're going to have you watch this, but like two days before this comes out. Mm -hmm. So like they didn't and they didn't let anyone nationally or anything see this movie. So there was no score or anything. And it came out in August. And that is the dog days of summer. Generally, no good movies. I saw this one double feature with the change up that has Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, the change up is going to be really funny. (laughs) I saw that one. I was like, oh, that was really, really terrible. I hate that movie. Oh, I have to go to a Planet of the Apes movie now? And I walked out of Planet of the Apes blown away. So it was good by comparison is what you're saying. No, it was amazing. I own this movie on Blu-ray. I'll, the only thing we have to do now, Joel, we have the solution. This is the recipe. Show you me watch really the change-up. Yeah, show me <laughs> the change-up. And then you and watch, watch something else. And it's amazing. Hey, yeah. <laughs> let's watch it. Let's do a double feature tonight. We could do the change-up and then like Ant-Man and the Wasp 2. <laughs> yeah, or Aladdin. Yes. <laughs> we'll watch Aladdin. Oh, Aladdin. I'll yeah. be really, I'll be really positive. Yeah. But no, like what they did for special effects in this movie alone, I mean, it... It feels like a kind of a sleepy summer blockbuster because mm-hmm. it's not straight up action. But as far as the technical marvel and what they pulled off and honestly not really focusing that much on James Franco in the movie. That's the secret. That's it might be the secret. I'll, and Frida Pinto in your movie doesn't hurt whatsoever. Mm-mm. So I, I love this movie. I love this series. And I expected to hate it or be apathetic. And I was blown away by it. I got to add mine, even though it's going to come up later for you guys probably is The Matrix because I had zero expectation March with movie. that movie. Technically doesn't fit, Jacob. Oh, that doesn't fit. <laughs> I love you for it. Doesn't. It oh, was okay. huge in the summer of nineteen. But I do make I do make reference to it later on. Okay, so. okay. Yeah. But well, this is good that, now because they should get a shout out. Honestly, oh, no, the should. Matrix yeah. surprised everyone. Yeah. yeah, that deserves its own show. Honestly, it, it does. It does. Save it for a Matrix show. But it, just the opening the one, scene, the one movie. Yeah, the one movie where she like runs along the sides of oh, the yeah. walls, and I'm like, what yeah. am I watching? Yeah, you know. And yeah, it was just it's where he takes the pill. All right, here's the next category. What was the biggest letdown? What was the summer blockbuster you knew was going to be amazing? And then is I changed my answer on this one about 15 times. Me too. You did? Okay. I kept flip-flopping back and forth. Because I went for a more recent movie originally. Like, oh yeah, I really hated that movie. And I'm like, well, that's when I was already kind of cynical. What about it, when I was younger? And I liked movies a lot. And I had a, a like a lot of hopes. 
And generally, I have to go with high, the, high hopes. I have to go with the sequel, and this isn't even my worst sequel, but this was such a letdown. I loved the Alien franchise. Alien and Aliens were just two of these iconic movies that really... Alien uh, was 79. Aliens was like, what, 80? No, Aliens Aliens was 86. Yeah. Yeah, 79, 86. And then Alien Alien 3. And and there's no space there. It's Alien 3. Came out in 1992. Alien Cubed, actually, I think is why they formatted it. This one is directed by one of my favorite directors, David Fincher, and is a terrible movie. This one was made for $50 million and made 159. So this is the least successful of the movies I've chosen. Wait, say that again. How much and how much? Made for 50, made 159 million. So it turned profit. Yeah, it tripled it. But still, after the success of James Cameron's Aliens and what that movie did, and you have, and I'm a big story guy, so Ripley saving Newt and Hicks. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, she did. Be, oh, wait. R- Ripley's believe it or not. Oh. Okay, okay. No. Boo. <laughs> no. 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 Why does he do villain laughs after dad jokes? I don't understand. But she saved those characters, and in the opening crawl, they kill those two like heartfelt characters that you spend an entire movie following. Yeah. And then it becomes a prison planet movie with aliens again. And I do think I need to revisit this and see what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. If anything, cause Fincher does this or maybe the studio will interfere in his movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a lot like Ridley Scott that way. And then maybe he'll do a director's cut. Yeah. But wow, it was so dark and blah movie, but fun Sega game. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was a fun <laughs> one. You guys had to play that one. If you haven't played that one, the Sega game of alien three, quite okay. fun. I'll play it on my, uh, the, yeah, Raspberry Pi. Yeah. I'll go back in time. And but yeah, that. that one really let me down. And it came out in 92. Like, I shouldn't have been watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, you were young. You were like 11 <laughs> years old. Dude, I was I was raised on horror films. Oh, that's you true. know. That's true. All right, so what was your biggest letdown? Uh, so mine actually came out in 2006. The one I picked. The one I didn't pick was actually Ang Lee's Hulk because we talked about that one before. Yeah. I went to the premiere. for. I worked at Love Sack and we were doing a premiere a big screening. Deal. Remember, that was right after Spider-Man. Green Love Sacks, throwing out like Hulk hands and stuff like that. Everyone yeah. was so excited. And by the end, everyone was asleep. Everyone hated it. <laughs> People had left the theater. But the one I chose for me personally was Superman Returns 2006. Because so what were your expectations going in? So I see the trailer and I see Brandon Routh, who looks kind of like Christopher Reeve. And you'd already seen Batman Begins the year mm-hmm. previous. And so then I... And, and I you've got Brian Singer. And Brian Singer was attached to it, who did X-Men and X-Men 2 and Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> but just <laughs> did he? That, he yeah. didn't really... Okay, did he? Okay. But, did. And, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but in the trailer, this guy just unloads a machine gun on him. You see one bullet in go and hit Superman in the eye and then it just falls down. And I was like, <gasps> bulletproof. Like just, I love seeing that. It was so cool. And then the, the movie started up and it's a really kind of a cool opening scene where he likes the, the airplane. And he's very saved, cool. He yeah. like holds the airplane in the baseball field and he saves everybody. And I was like, this is going to be great. And then it just lost its way. It really, it just turned into a dud after that. And yeah. I, I remember walking out of the theater. Well, it kind just of, fell into really familiar tropes and it was kryptonite and well, yeah, kryptonite then, island. I mean, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Like Luther, yeah. No, he's actually replaced in that movie. <laughs> Christopher Plummer digitally yeah, replaced yes. um, but no but Parker Posey I even I really like Parker Posey and she was in other movies sidekick and this one she didn't do good Cal Kate Bosworth was movie. a waste yes they had the whole subplot of maybe it's Superman's kid and then oh it is and I was like it just and the, it didn't make sense either, even as a sequel because it was like well it's a sequel but it skips over these other movies so when does this sequel take place it's like Halloween it was yeah kind the, of yeah and this was one of the ones where I kind of fudged the numbers a bit because it was let down also financially because the budget was $223 million. Whoa. And it made wow. $391 million. 
So technically it didn't turn a profit yeah. because it didn't make double its budget back. But this is still one. It made $391 million. It was a commercial. Like commercially, people went to go see it. But I think everyone kind of like me walked out going, uh, there's an art to this, but it's so trying to be artistic. It's boring. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah. It's a boring Superman movie. And then it's like, oh, he flew away for a couple years to find himself. He's a deadbeat dad. And then we're coming back. It just didn't make sense to me. So yeah, got real lazy. Yeah. Superman Returns let down, which is sad because I thought Brandon Routh was a good He's Superman. He's a good Clark Kent. But just put in a bad movie. Yeah. All right, next category is going to be the best villain from a blockbuster movie. This is going to be our first repeat, meaning I can't repeat. You can't my, have repeats. Uh, not my own answers, but of Kent's. I chose T-1000 from Terminator 2 Judgment great Day. Great choice. That is a great choice. Because you get, uh, okay, so James Cameron, who did, I mean, listen to he this guy's terrifying. list. He's got The Terminator, Aliens, The Abyss, Titanic, True Lies, Avatar. James Cameron knows how to make big movies. And this one, uh, sp- speaking in particular, Robert Patrick is the T-1000, which if you don't know, is the, is the liquid metal Terminator, which amazing groundbreaking effects in the early 90s that rivals some effects that are done today. It's yeah. Academy Award winning. Right? Uh, budget was around $100 million and it made $523 million, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. But the thing I liked about Robert Patrick is that he was nice when he had to be. Like, it was like... Hi, how's it going? Do you know this boy? Wow. And yeah, then yeah, he yeah. stabbed some guy through the head with his with his knife arm. And it was like, what just happened? That was horrifying as a kid. And yeah. the, par- the part that got yeah. me, the part that one of the parts that terrified me was the part in the parking lot when he starts running after the car and he's catching up to a driving car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he gets the hook hands and starts climbing onto the car. And, and then like, the hook's still there. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. you have to throw it away. Yeah. You, you can't stop him. Like it just like they shoot him with a shotgun. It just goes through him. And so he was a terrifying, terrifying villain. You, really you have to be a great actor and there has to be great writing in order to make someone seem tougher than Arnold Schwarzenegger, especially yeah. as the Terminator. And, and he pulled it off. And amazingly. That, that's exactly true because you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's physique versus Robert Patrick's and Robert Patrick, he's not a big guy. Yeah. But you believe that he could take on. The Terminator. Absolutely. So, yeah. What I, a great choice. Dylan, yeah. love it. Nice. All right. With my choice, why so serious? Oh, I knew <laughs> I knew it had to be brought up at least once in this show. It is the Joker. And oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Meryl Streep I in Mamma Mia. Say, yeah. yeah, that came out in March, I think. <laughs> no, that actually came out the I same it was time. Dennis Hopper in Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Waterworld, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't get wow, that. Waterworld. Waterworld, that's another movie yeah. That he was in the bombed. So the Joker, and maybe I'm kind of cheating because I would like to say in the original Batman as well. So the Dark Knight was made for $185 million and made a billion dollars. I think you could say the Joker is a general statement for best summer blockbuster. Yeah, villain. except for Suicide Squad. But yes, the Joker is, I mean, I would probably say in the, in the history of movies, probably considered the second best villain of all time. Mm-hmm. And generally, because obviously Darth Vader, people consider him to be the greatest. Right. I already used Star Wars. But for me, because those Star Wars movies had already come out by the time I started watching movies and I mm-hmm. kind of understood the arc and I probably saw Return of the Jedi more than any other Star Wars movie, the Joker is what is imposing. That mm-hmm. it, that constructs film villainy for me. Well, and it, just the score uh, coming yeah. behind him, like the Joker's theme, that buzzing sound. Yeah, it's like a saw. It's, it's so a, unnerving. And it's anarchy. It is the opposite of Batman and the, the way that Heath Ledger plays that role. And even back in the day with Jack Nicholson and how everyone had the smiles on the news and everything and that mm-hmm. caused death. It was just mm-hmm. creepy and unpredictable. And that is exactly what the Joker needs to be. And those performances just capture villainy for me. I like it. Yes. I like it. Yep. Great choices, guys. All right. Next category. 
is going to be the movie that doesn't fit the summer season. Mine came out in 1992. I'm doing a lot of early 90s movies here. Because I think it was really iconic. Yeah, Yeah, really formative. Sister Act. (laughs) (laughs) I did not expect that to be brought up on this show. (laughs) Wait, what? what, When did Sister Act come out? What month? 1992. I believe it was May. We could double check on this one. So it wasn't like this was like a tent pole, like... All right, a big summer movie this year. It's a story about Whoopi Goldberg as a nun. <laughs> for for the for what this movie was made for, it's one of the most successful movies of all time. They actually the budget they didn't release, but they say it's about five million, five six million, mm-hmm. and it made two hundred thirty one million dollars. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> I believe it. He says, <laughs> "Well, it's like it's, it's a low budget movie. It's yeah. yeah, it's basically Whoopi Goldberg riffing the whole time. Yeah." But and she was in a lot of those really. It's edited really tightly, though. I it, mean, it, it is. works. Yeah. And Whoopi Goldberg, remember, she had a movie career late '80s, especially Jumping early Jack 90s, Flash yeah. and early '90s. And Ghost. Yeah. Well, Ghost yeah. was like second this Ghost huge, reference of yeah. the show. This is, we'll call this the Ghost Show. <laughs> but Sister Act is where she truly shined, and the music was incredible. It really, it for me, that's probably the first time I heard those soul songs, and yeah. I was I was totally sold. What do you think of Sister Act Two: Back in the Habit? I liked it. I really did like Jared it. Love Hewitt was in it. Yeah. And Lars Hill from the Fugees. Could you make a movie like that nowadays? I don't think so. I don't know. But except they are. No. Yep. This really? is, there will be a remake on Disney Plus. Oh. Okay. So there and so it will be kind of low budget. It's like it's like one of those Netflix streaming straight to. So streaming. just like yeah. before, they also have the Broadway musical of Sister Act. They do. It became a musical. And Whoopi Goldberg played Mother Superior in that one for <laughs> like a brief run. That is funny. But this is such a fun movie. That's like a, this a is one choice. I kind of want to show my daughters just to kind of yeah, that's a fun sit choice. back and it's, enjoy yourself. I probably should show my kids movie. this one. Yeah. There's a little bit of uh, maybe not super great things like uh, well, content not, wise at well, the yeah, beginning. I mean, she's not there's murder and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, you know, kids got to learn about murder. But this. This doesn't feel Uh, like a summer blockbuster. Joel Parenting. (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't feel like a summer blockbuster whatsoever, but it made so much money. Yeah. Uh, My choice was actually from 94, and it is The Crow. Summer movie? It's a summer movie. This was in October? It came out in May of 1994. This this whole movie is like all Hallows Eve. Did it make money, though? Uh, Yeah, actually. So, budget was 23 million. It made 50 million. So, it doubled its budget. Uh, Okay. Okay. Uh, this not exactly movie, a runaway. Yeah, no, it's but not it's, a runaway hit, but this is one where it was kind of propped up. And I, I feel bad saying this, but it was, I think it, a lot of the success came from the fact that it was kind of a sad story because they, the main actor, Brandon Lee, died during the filming of it. And then they had to digitally recreate his face and have a body double in like a couple other scenes to kind of finish out the movie. And there was a legend that they show the gunshot in the movie they show the, the scene. They're, they're supposed to have the blanks, but they you see him die. But that so people went to see this movie. Yeah, it was kind of a dark twist there, because uh, yeah, it was just it was a it was a blank that misfired that ended up killing him during a certain scene. So this movie is one that, never did see this. Uh, by the way, this is directed by Alex Proyas, who did iRobot and Jacob's favorite Gods of Egypt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go watch the. Chrono. So <laughs> the, the weird thing about this movie, and the reason I bring it up, is because I was kind of obsessed with this movie, even though I hadn't seen it. Did you do like makeup and then the, like the eyeliner? I did the look? makeup. You did for like I did unironically. Well, I mean for fun. Like we'd be dressing up, and me and my brothers would like <laughs> wait. So you'd get crow makeup and do scenes from the fugitive. <laughs> yes, exactly. We no, we, for we, fun. We would we would put like we would like put makeup on our faces and then ride around on our bikes and like try to scare people. I guess is what we were doing. The beautiful people. Uh, that was that was later. Yeah. But uh, this movie also, I had the poster. I think I got the poster in like a bargain bin or something like that. And I love the iconic like black with the white in the middle and him standing in the middle of it. And then someone told me the story, and I was like, that sounds so fascinating. 
but it, this is, I mean, it's, it's dark and rainy and gothic. When, when I saw the movie, it was actually a complete letdown for me, to be honest. Was mo- it? Well, yeah, because the movie... Because the style is cool. Well, I love the idea of like this guy being brought back from the dead mm-hmm. in order to avenge his, his murder and his, and his uh, wife's Girlfriend's, murder, yeah. girlfriend. Uh, and then he can't die as long as the crow is alive. And I just thought the concept is really cool. Graphic novel, yeah. But yeah, it's dark and gothic-y and rainy and techno I mean, this, how is this supposed to be a summer hit? That wouldn't catch on for at least five years after this movie. Yeah. Ah, uh, Jacob? Uh, hmm? There's my Matrix reference. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> but yeah, the crow. It was a summer movie, apparently. Apparently. Jeez. All right, let's go to the other end of this for the next category. And what is the movie that was the most appropriate for the summer season? We haven't matched on a single one of these so far. Not yet. But Kent, I want, I want Kent and Jacob, I want you each to put your hand over your heart. Because Wait, I'm going to talk. Cold chest cavity? Oh, I know I'm what's happening now. Independence Day. I know what's happening. No. Independence Day 1996 <laughs> by Roland Emmerich, who did Stargate, Godzilla, and the Patriot. Starring Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Mary McDonald, Judd Hirsch, Margaret Collin, Randy Quaid, Robert, Robert Loggia, James Reborn, Harvey Feinstein, Vivica this? Fox, and Harry Connick Jr., Guys, if you arrange at the letters of those actors' names, is this Paul America? He's doing Joel you research. Get, you get the preamble of the Constitution of the United States of America. <laughs> what are you, Nicholas Cage? <laughs> this seven, budget of seventy-five million made eight hundred and seventeen million. It came out on July second. It's about Independence Day. It's about freedom. It's about America. It has everything a, a summer blockbuster should have: <laughs> explosions, jet fighters, heroes, villains, Utah barbecues. Awesome These are all important too. things. Oh, God, the sequel is so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I, I honestly, what I thought of most appropriate for uh, the season, for the summer blockbuster season, Independence Day is one of those iconic blockbusters it, of the time. It, it's good you bring up the Will Smith movie because he was Mr. Summer for, for a, a really while. Yeah, Men in Black, yeah. Independence Day, Bad Boys. Else? Bad Boys. Yeah. But this is one that I just think of summertime. And I remember being excited to see this movie and then seeing it and really enjoying it and becoming a little more American after watching it. Yeah, I watched it twice and then I realized I didn't like it anymore. <laughs> but it's a Will this, Smith effect. This totally feels like a summer blockbuster movie to me. Your if heart, ever, your if heart ever there cold, was one. I think. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I'm go for it, Kent. So my most appropriate for the summer season really is more thematic rather than the time it took place because this is all about summer and what summer means to any child you can't do 50 500 days of summer 500 days of summer no no it's not 500 days of summer because i'm not gonna do a cult classic in this list i'm going for et 1982 yeah yeah. and what et is is it is an adventure about well for and about children like even this movie was shot from the eye level of a child just to connect with elliot and et like be on their level and Summer doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, yeah, there's a summer movie season, but we're adults. We have to go to work. Do we? We should go to work. Crap, I better get. I better go <laughs> in tomorrow. Yeah. But when you're a kid and school ends and you realize you have about two and a half to three months of just exploring. Of there's just, 104 days of summer vacation. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just playing night games. Going and finding aliens and helping them get back to their their planet. It's all part of the summer vacation. <laughs> it's all part of that. And this movie really encapsulates that. I'm not the biggest fan of E.T. personally. Uh, by the way, made for $10 million. $10 million. That was made for wow. $10 million? Made $792 million. One of the most successful movies of all time. It's true. $10 million? $10 million. Yeah. And there's, wow. there's a lot going there, but it's a lot of practical um, effects. Practical, yeah. But I mean, it's still, it's puppetry. It's 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 set design. It's That's yeah. a lot that goes into it. Yeah. But it's... But this movie is all about it's it's for the children and for me summer is about the adventures you have and the the imagination you had as a child and why we didn't give it to Goonies. 
well, I almost did, but it only made $60 million. And really? so I feel like that is more an huh. endearing favorite rather yeah. than a blockbuster. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. It's yeah. a good shelf life then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. $60 million? Mm-hmm. All right. Our next category then is the blockbuster with brains. So we can put that in quotes. Tell us what that means, Kent. Brains. Joel is going to it's, know... It's, it requires it's zombies. A thinking, it's a thinking No, no, no. Man. It's zombies. It's about zombies. Yeah, it's zombies. It's zombies. World War Z. Okay. okay. That wins. Oh, well, C+. Plus. So this... <laughs> C+. Plus? Mm-hmm. C-. Minus? I think C- I hated that movie. C+. Plus for me. So this movie I'm about to choose was made for $160 million. It made $828 million. It's an original IP. One of the most original movies of the past original 20 IP. years. I know who the director uh, is here. Intellectual property, meaning that it's an original concept... At least it, it's not a sequel, or an a adaptation, yeah. or anything. It is Inception. came out in 2010. <laughs> How did I know that Christopher Nolan was going to be brought up at least it once? It had to. I knew it was him. It Why was do you think I threw in this category, brains, Blockbuster yeah. with Brains? Yeah, you probably had that Because it, Brains makes it feel bigger, more important. Because this is at the point of Nolan's career. And remember, this is nine years ago at this point, where mm-hmm. he got a blank check after Dark Knight. That's like, true. Even after and Batman this- Begins, Warner Brothers said, Hey, Prestige, that's a weird idea. And he's like, cool, can I make it? Yeah. And then he made that. Then Dark Knight. And they said, here's money. Here's a check. Make yeah. whatever you can. He said, I've got an idea or two. And he wrote this one too. Yeah. Any movie with this synopsis, a contemporary science fiction action thriller set within the architecture of the mind, shouldn't be coming out during summer. Yeah. This is yeah. a this is a, a cerebral movie. Really cerebral. And I'm going to follow some Joel research here. You ready? <laughs> okay. Dom, Robert, Eames, Arthur, Mal, and Saito... Spells dreams. That is the char- Those are the characters in the movie. And Peter, Ariadne, and Yusuf, dreams pay. Dreams pay. He named these characters. That's cool. And yeah. Just because that's what the Inception Actually, guys Mal, do. Actually, uh, Mal, they talk about that, how Mal in Spanish means bad. Yeah. It's kind of the So it's very things. on the nose, but it works. And Marianne Cotillard in that role is amazing. The role is Mal, yeah. yeah. So, of course, I didn't choose Inception because this, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And as far as the summer goes... That ruled that summer, and I actually didn't even expect it to be that all that good, mm-hmm. except for the trailer was pretty cool. Well, I remember, no, I remember watching the trailer and being like, "I have no idea what this movie's about." Yeah, yeah, it made no sense. It just looked like crazy stuff, and then there's people like running in a hotel hall. Yeah, and know? water's coming in from the sides and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. So, Joel, what'd you choose? Uh, I chose Shrek the Third. <laughs> nice choice. <laughs> no, I chose, finally, finally I chose Inception. Finally, I chose Inception. Hey, finger boop, boop. Uh, yes, when 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 it said blockbuster with brains, I kind of went, "Oh come on, Kent! You know it's Inception. <laughs> We're both gonna pick Inception because summer blockbuster, for the most part, is a time to turn off your brain and just enjoy loud explosions." It's yeah. like Christopher Nolan making me think. But this is definitely <laughs> this is definitely a movie that you have to watch twice to truly appreciate because the first time you're just trying to figure out what is going on, like the whole time dilation and dream within a dream. Yes. Now, granted, there are flaws in this movie. What I think there are flaws in this movie. Huh? Some things that don't quite make sense, but you at need the same to watch time, it three times. <laughs> yeah, it. I just didn't get it. But this is one that I would be happy to own. Like I don't, I don't. How buy do you not it. own this? I, I well, I don't even remember this, Kent. Yeah, I know. I had to let you borrow it once. No, I don't even remember this. But I was, uh, I think I texted you, and I was like, "Hey, I found Inception in the five dollar bin at Walmart," and you're like, "You should get it." And I wrote back, nah. And then you wrote back, you're a jerk. <laughs> I just said you're a jerk. Something like that. You got you got legitimately mad at me. And I was like, oh, that was maybe too far. But but I kind of re- personally I felt attacked. I kind of not regret and regret not picking up because I feel like this is one that I would like to own because of the level of uh intrigue it, it has in it. And like the amount of work that that was made into both writing it and producing it. Yeah. 
And so I do enjoy this movie. It's one I went on. And I don't it's buy that many movies anymore. Good choices or choice. All right. Which is the blockbuster movie that your parents did not want you to see? Uh, I didn't choose. But you saw anyway. I yeah. Well, there's one that I actually was going to pick, but then I realized it didn't work out because my parents loved Back to the Future when it came out in 85. Mm-hmm. I was around five years old. Yeah. And they kept taking people to go see it. And then they, but I was like, well, we want to see it. And they were like, no, they wouldn't let us see it. But I didn't choose that one because I didn't end up seeing it in theaters. I actually chose Mortal Kombat 1995. Yeah. Now, this is one that maybe my parents didn't care as much, but I remember very specifically going to my friend's house and we were getting ready to go see Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. And his mom says, what movie is that? And he's like, oh, it's Mortal Kombat. She's like, isn't that the video game one? And they start having this whole very awkward discussion with oh, me sitting no. in the room, like like waiting my coat in hand. Like, well, I guess it's summer. I didn't have my coat, but like just waiting there. Oh, the bus is about to leave. And I'm like, we got we to gotta go. We got to the movie's going to show. But then his mom, he like he's having this whole back and forth with his mom. And then his mom finally dropped the, well, you do what you want. Oh, I know you'll make the right decision. No, mom guilt. <laughs> and he didn't go see it. And then you didn't see it. I had to go with other people. Oh, you still saw it. (laughs) (laughs) I went to go see with other people. And this movie, as as violent and controversial as the video game was, this movie was not violent. It's very mild. It's very mild. And the reason this movie is one of the best video game movies is because it came hot (laughs) off the heels of Street Fighter, which was terrible. A bad movie. Uh, This one, by the way, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who did Event Horizon, Resident Evil, and Alien vs. Predator. Yep. And uh, sounds about right. Budget of eighteen million, and it made one hundred and twenty-two million. So it did. It did well. Yeah. And I think. It, and I well, had the brand recognition. But I, I watched the movie. I, I bought the soundtrack. The theme song. Oh my gosh. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> but this is one my parents. Probably a lot of parents didn't want their kids to go see. But if they only knew how tame it was, I think they would have been okay with it. That's such a better choice than mine because I'm almost <laughs> embarrassed about mine. I did not see this in the theater, Species. but I, I grew up with three sisters. And the movie my parents didn't want any of us to see, but my sisters made me watch eventually was Dirty Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Came out in 1987. I probably saw funny. it in probably 1990 or 91. It was made for $6 million. It made $214 million. Wow. Isn't that insane? Whoa. And it's a terrible movie. It's not good at all. No, it's really not. But I was... Great soundtrack. Fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. Because I was a curious child. You know, because your parents say no one in this house can watch Dirty Dancing. And I had two sisters that were like two and four years older than me that, of course, were going to watch this movie. Or were probably going to their friend's house at sleepovers and watching this and girls just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I kind of need to see what that movie is since my parents won't allow me to watch it. And so, yeah, when I was about 10, I watched it. And I was like, oh, that was lame. It's just like they were dancing really close. <laughs> like, I'll never get that close so with a girl. Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it'll, true. It'll come someday. Yeah, someday? Yeah, yeah someday. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, getting older. Yeah. Yeah. You hang on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but no one You'll puts, dance no one puts Kent in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Dirty Dancing, kind of silly. And it, it probably is inappropriate. I think it deals with a lot of adult There's issues. There's a lot in of movie. stuff in there. Well, it's like Grease. Uh, yeah. Grease is one of those movies that I watched all the time as a kid. And then as I grew up, I'm like, wow. Oh, there's some stuff in here. Yeah, that I didn't notice. But when before. you're a kid, you never really catch on to it because you're looking for jokes. Yeah, and that's about it. Yeah, not not a lot of jokes in Dirty Dancing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Our next category is the most disappointing sequel. In 2003, I saw one of my still one of my top ten favorite superhero movies, Hulk. X X two. Oh, X Men United. 
and I was so excited about the Dark Phoenix saga playing and you out. Saw X-Men First Class. Nice. No. And I saw in 2006 X-Men The Last Stand. Yeah. And I was so broken about it. Like it was kind of destroying because they ruined everything. They kill Cyclops. Spoiler alert. They kill Cyclops in the first five minutes. Yeah. And they kill Professor X. They ruin Magneto. They ruin the Dark Phoenix. Wolverine is a pansy. Uh, oh, no. Oh, banned from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? This is kind of what made me take notice. Because remember, at this point, you had Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, which was much better than the first. You had X2, which is better than the first. And honestly, there were only a few duds like Daredevil that had come out mm-hmm. and maybe a p- bad Punisher movie. But I'm like, no, this is a good thing. I like this superhero genre. Yeah. It's really cool. There is nothing there. And there were many plots. There's the Cure storyline, the there Phoenix so storyline, which is ruined. They ruined Juggernaut. They ruined oh, just everything. So they made this for $210 million and it made $459 million. I remember sitting with my wife watching that movie and we like looking at each other while it was going on. And when it ended, it was like yelling at the movie, like yeah. at the screen, like, come on, seriously. That's it. Like, well, that, that's what you give me? And I remember being caught up in it and kind of enjoying it for a while there. Like there was a couple parts where I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, cool. And then I walked out and I remember just feeling like, I really didn't like that they killed off Scott. And I don't like that they killed off uh, Patrick. Or Patrick but then Stewart. he comes back through a different guy. Moira. It's the weirdest thing. This killed the X-Men yeah. franchise until First Class five years later somehow came back. And the only reason they made First Class was to keep the rights. But yeah. somehow First Class, they salvaged what they had because well, they ruined everything. Movie. Yeah. So, yeah, Joel, what is your most disappointing yeah, sequel? We have talked about this one fairly recently. Uh, I chose a 2013 sequel. Uh, and I have to admit, the oh, fr- yeah. I, I thought the, thir- the first movie was fantastic. The second one was okay. And this one just bombed. It's Iron Man 3. Yep. So Iron Man 3, directed by Shane Black, who did the nice guys, Predator, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang. Uh, this had a budget of $200 million. It made $1.2 billion. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Billion. <laughs> yeah. This is in the top 10 highest grossing Marvel movies of all time. Like the Iron Man 3, which this was I hot, thought, off, hot sh- off the heels of Avengers, by the way, yeah, which yeah. is why it made so much money. Well, that's just it. But this was supposed to be like, it, it, it's weird because it's supposed to be like this wrap up trilogy of Iron Man story, but then he comes back in the very next movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like any of the motivations of the characters. I thought they kind of just ruined the, the story of Iron Man that was yep. so cool initially. But I think I'm also just annoyed that it is so high grossing and that it made so much money and yet it's completely ridiculous and discarded by almost the entire rest of the franchise. I do feel like this should be the lowest Marvel movie, but you guys bumped it up to number it's second lowest. Yeah. yeah. Because Iron Man 2 is worse. Yeah. 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 All right. Which is the blockbuster movie that had the most mind blowing special effects? Which one really nailed the effects? Well, this one, this one was also hard because like I already used Terminator 2, which was, could have been used again. I, I, there was a bunch that I could have used. But I decided to put Jurassic Park here. Okay. And it's because I felt like Jurassic Park made me believe that dinosaurs could exist. Not, I mean, (laughs) it's an amazing score on the nose flute that Kent's playing over there. I love the nose flute. It's my second favorite instrument. I got a running nose now. But this this movie was one where it was just a great blend of both CGI. And this is one of the like may, first major uses of CGI in a movie. But you get CGI plus practical effects with puppets. And it they blended together so well that it's hard, at least at the time, it was hard to tell when it was a puppet and when it was real life. Yeah. Just the combination of those two things together, I think, did so well. And then they, they kind of botched it with the other movies where they relied so much more on CGI 
that it didn't feel as threatening or as real. Like that part when the T-Rex oh is gosh. smashing down into the skylight on the kids and you can see the physical resistance the kids are having to push against this yeah. giant beast. It's terrifying. That entire scene is mastercraft. It yeah. really is. Like when, you know, the, the lawyer's in the bathroom and people <laughs> yes. run away. You have Jeff Goldblum running with the flare and the, the T-Rex turns around. It is with them. Yes. There is no sense of like disbelief there. Well, and I remember this is one of the movies I, I love watching behind the scenes. Like I always mm-hmm. liked watching like the making of, but I remember specifically watching the making of for this movie to be like, how does that possible? And watching how they made like the dinosaurs run around them and match their eyelines and how the T-Rex smashed in the side of the car and they added a dent. Yeah. Like all those magical things that happened to come with this, by the way, Jurassic park, 63 million budget made one, $1 billion and rightly so. Wow. 63 million. And they did all that. So Crazy. for visual effects, I'm going to go with one that you've already mentioned. It's Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, okay. Good choice. Yeah. So George Miller directed this one. He gloated that 90% of the movie was shot with practical effects. I was going to say, wasn't that like all practical? Yeah. Except for obviously there was like windstorms. Huge and there was sandstorm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was a lot of like background effects. But when you watch this movie, like, and this is why it succeeds. It wasn't actually really all that controlled. These were stunt guys doing their thing. These were real explosions. These were real motorcycles being torn up by something behind them. Guys with real flaming electric guitars. <laughs> the Doofenshmirtz, what are we yeah, calling Doofenshmirtz, them? Yeah, Doofenshmirtz, yeah. It's like something like that. But the, the, that's, I'm always impressed, and it's sad that we're impressed by practical effects now because CGI is so heavily relied on. Yes. It's like movies used to be all practical, mm-hmm. and now it's all CGI. And so when you see something practical like that, your brain, there is a difference where your brain's like, that is real, and that is in- impressive. Yeah. I urge anyone here just to go to YouTube and look at Mad Max pre-CG and you're going to just be blown away by how much of the movie is just there. Yeah. I mean, granted, they may have added a new color grade or whatnot they to put the an final explosion movie. in the background. so that Yeah, actors, but a lot of the explosions were even real. Yeah, but it was like once they put actors in danger, they're yes. like adding that in after because, yeah. Uh, just so amazing. And this one actually didn't win best visual effects at the Oscars. What did it lose to? Is crazy. Do you know what it lost to? I think a Tyler Perry movie of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I mean, which actually made sense. Yeah, you're uh, right. Yeah, yeah, well, well learned. Is Medea goes to jail, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So it's 2015. Those <laughs> when Oscars. she pulls those bars apart and gets out. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's but a Muppet caper. Keep in mind, like, uh. we kind of made fun of this movie, how it was like one long car chase, like before and after we saw this. And that's really where the action is. This is one long action scene. And it keeps your attention the entire time. It is a work of art. Yeah. I am looking that up right now because I want to know what it lost to. Oh, it lost to Ex Machina. Did it really? Yeah, I'm not mad. I'm I'm a little bit mad because Ex Machina was subtle, I, subtle and awesome. Ava was incredible. Like I could have been mad. At, like the other nominees that year were The Martian, The Revenant, and Star Wars: The Force Awakens. And if it had been any of those, I would have been a little more mad. But Ex Machina, I'm like, ah. I don't know that scene in The Revenant. They, they pulled that off pretty well. That is pretty cool. That bear. Yeah, yeah. That bear. That bear. That bear. <laughs> all right, next category. Of all the blockbuster movies, which one had the scariest? Creature, monster, beast, whatever. Are we going to agree on this one, Kent? Let us play the nose flute. Bedem. Bedem. <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Right. Same composer, different score. Bruce uh, the freaking shark. Yes. Has become the scariest monster of all cinematic history. The reason that Jaws 
the Bruce is the, they called the shark. But the reason that Jaws is so terrifying because it feels so real. Like it was real. Yeah, it, yes, it's a giant shark, but it's not like the Meg where it's like impossibly big. Yes. This looked like a real shark. Well, as real as it could look in 90s puppetry. Which it was a broke down shark. It didn't even really work. Yeah. But what they did by not showing and then only showing a little bit. In fact, they had three actual Bruce's and one was like from the right side, one was on the left side. And then one was just the full shark. All of them like sunk to the bottom of the, the, the tank they, they were using. They kept breaking. And, and they each cost $250,000. They kept getting Jeez. waterlogged. Yeah. And so this movie is made for $7 million, made $470 million. This is the first actual blockbuster. This one is the one that made people take notice. And... Really changed summer and beaches and the way people the viewed sharks. Yeah, beaches. Did you ever and, and know kids personal that fears. you're my hero? This, I would say mine and millions of people this, uh, that sharks have become the thing to fear. They're well, greater than us on the food chain. And I think marine biologists actually hate this movie because it makes sharks so feared that people want to just kill them and get them away from you know everything. And yeah. actually, sharks, for the most part... Don't kill humans, but, but they this do. movie makes you believe that they do all the time. Yeah, I, I can't tell like you. Two days ago, somebody swimming off Maui got killed Ooh. by a shark. Ugh. What? Excuse me? Yeah. I go to Bear water. Lake and I'm worried Jaws is going to be. <laughs> there. I've done that, like on a platform in Bear Lake, and I had to swim to it. And suddenly, I got this image in my mind of a shark being in the two feet of water I was in, <laughs> and I had to run to the thing. Oh, uh, fun fact about this one: so John Williams, uh, this is. Was this the first time he'd worked with Spielberg? Yeah, probably. And so. so Spielberg said, hey, what do you have for the score? And he said, okay, here's what I have. And he did that tone that we did. Spielberg laughed and said, that's funny, John, but really, like, what do you have in mind for the theme of Jaws? And he later said that the movie would not have been half as successful without that score. And think about it. If you were just swimming around, and even in Bear Lake, even mm-hmm. in a... Uh, a freshwater. You know, a freshwater lake. <laughs> or a pool But you think chlorine. of that theme immediate fear it's like pavlov's shark what i've yeah. always wanted to do like i want we, we you know we did those theme dates when back in the day we tried to do that and what we always wanted to do but we never got was to rent out a pool like surf and swim in Leighton or something mm-hmm. and play jaws on the on the wall Perfect. while we were sitting in tubes on the water it's funny you say that because there was that little cage where the yeah. where the waves come out i yeah. always thought sharks were behind there waiting to get me yeah but instead it's just you know this is a wave week. machine that could suck you in and kill you yeah, just <laughs> that that's just all. actual threat <laughs> Next category is the least favorite blockbuster of all time. Once again, this was kind of hard to pick from, although there weren't that many that I absolutely disliked. Like, I okay, I wanted to choose the Transformers franchise because they had so many summer hits, quote unquote. Oh, hits made billion dollars. Yes. Plus each yeah. one. But I've only really seen the first one and the last night. And You I'll, saw the last night? I what? had to for Clearplay. They asked me to review it. But I absolutely hated it. So I wanted to put that, but I was like, I just kind of hate that out of reputation and the, and the sample I've had. Fair. But the one that I chose that I absolutely despise and hope to never have to watch again is The Last Airbender. 2010. <laughs> it really is a bad movie. So, and, and I saw... Okay, is there nothing redeeming here? No. No. Did and, it make its money? Oh, it did. That's it the did. problem. So it budget of $150 million, It made $319 million, So it turned a profit. Okay. But this is largely seen as a flop because it took the wondrous joy that is Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. the TV series, the Nickelodeon TV series, which is surprisingly good for children and adults. We've talked about this on Bacon Cell before. How do you ruin that idea? But, How? And I, I actually talked about, I, if I had a pitch meeting of M. Night Shyamalan, it went something like, hey, you know that thing everybody loves? Let's suck all the fun out of it and kind of mess with the main elements and then we'll do it. Yeah. Because they did, they, they messed yeah. with the formula. They took out all the fun that is in the series 
And I saw this after, like this came out in 2010. I didn't watch the series until around that time. And then I watched this movie. And I, I was so bugged at M. Night Shyamalan for what he had done. You're being a little bit harsh because this is only the first of many reported movies. And it really it had potential for first a sequel. The, oh, oh, or, or yeah. the third movie. No, it's so bad. It's, it's so, bad. so bad. And it, it if, if you feel inclined to watch this movie, go watch the series instead. You'll be much happier. So much happier. Which you can watch that one with your kids and everyone is enjoying it. Together. I avoided the series because of this movie. Yeah. And then when I fortunately watched it, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I love it. The series. Yes. Not the movie. Not the movie. <laughs> yeah. Kent? So it's funny you bring up Transformers because mine is the first sequel to Transformers. It's Transformers Revenge of the Fallen in 2009. Still haven't seen that one. It's But I agree with your it choice. It is the worst <laughs> one. This was right when I started to think that I was going to be involved in movies more than just a casual fan. So I started Showtime Showdown in 2009. Showtime Showdown. The, it was, yeah, it was a podcast at the time with my friend Scott. And we you would, did another podcast? Scott. <gasps> um, sorry, uh. I, I actually have two podcasts. Well, I don't know if you knew <gasps> this. <laughs> what? <laughs> so you're not with Scott anymore? <laughs> yeah, Scott's he's long gone. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I'm so no. sorry to hear that. Is he still did alive? Did he die in the beginning of <laughs> X-Men 3? <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh. Scott! 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 So came out 2009, and I was really excited about talking about movies, and, and hopefully that 30 people would listen. Like, honestly, if we got 30 listens on a Showtime Showdown episode... You got 30 listens? Yeah. Wow. We did a G.I. Joe still. Rise of the Cobra see, episode, two, but... and we got 55 listens. I was like, we have made it. <laughs> we were using SingStar microphones from the PlayStation 2 that had USB connections. Oh, wow. And we used plastic cups, and we just burrowed holes in them and taped them to the counter. You and mean that, like, like we do in the back? put the gear. microphone in them or just yeah, for to put fun? The okay. <laughs> to put the microphone in them <laughs> just for fun. It that was, was a podcast <laughs> burring holes in It cups. was so funny. I go back and I still have copies of those shows and I listen to me and I was so boring. I was half as opinion. You should Maybe, release those on Patreon. No, it, they're so embarrassing to listen to. Like I can, You should release those like on Patreon. It's like NPR. You should I'm listen like, to those on Patreon. I'm like, no, that's pretty crazy. That sounds really fun. I sound like every other podcast today where look you have those, to think and hem and haw a little bit. those episodes on patreon.com. Oh, no. I'm too embarrassed. <laughs> I, I guess I probably will. Release the Kent cut. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even saying like Transformers in 2007 was a fine movie. In fact, I was surprised by how much I liked it. And I wasn't expecting much for the sequel. But who boy. It has Transformer gods. Uh, Sam Witwicky dies. He goes to robot heaven. His mom gets high in this movie. There's Robot Pompoko at one point. <laughs> robot Pompoko? <laughs> yeah. That's whoa, what whoa. we're calling that now? Pompoko? Yeah. What is that? You, you know what it is. The, the, You're calling it Pompoko? Yeah, you remember know what the I'm Miyazaki movie with the, with the shape-shifting raccoons? I do. There's Pompoko. a giant robot with swinging Pompokos. <laughs> <laughs> I want to family-friendly that, but I don't think people are going to get the reference. I mean, there's Mudflap and Skids, the two racist robots. <laughs> uh, Megan Fox is in here, and she is just objectified more than ever. And, okay. and and I do like Megan Fox a lot, but what Michael? Uh, what you do like objectifying Michael Megan does. Fox too? Yeah, in the first movie, <laughs> but not the second one. <laughs> the second one, it feels like okay, we get it. Like you're just being weird now, Michael Bay. But this movie is an absolute disaster. Even though it made four times its budget, it was made for two hundred million, and it made eight hundred thirty-six million dollars. I'm, glad, I'm is, glad you brought this up, though. Hmm. Wait, how much did it make? Eight hundred thirty-six million. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you brought this up, though, because I do feel like Michael Bay needs to be brought up. If we're talking summer blockbusters, James Cameron and Michael Bay should yes. be brought up at least once. So yeah, thank absolutely. You. Thank you for falling on that sword. You're welcome. Yeah. So Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, even with the terrible sequels, and they've all been so, so, so bad. Yeah. This is the worst yeah. for me. I actually tried to. I watched the first one and was like, oh, this is surprisingly not terrible. It's comedic. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, she has a couple moments. 
and I tried to watch another one. Oh. I am so rarely, so rarely do I not complete a movie I've begun. Mm-hmm. I'm like 15, 20 minutes in, I'm like, I just can't Tag take it, it. Like, please yeah. make it stop. See, I prefer the, the summer blockbuster of Transformers the movie back in like 1986 or whenever yeah. that came out. You've got the touch. You got the power. <laughs> you know, I don't know who it is that's watching these movies because I don't know anyone who's like, oh, yeah, I love going to Transformers movies. But it was too. an event. You know, sometimes blockbusters are the only thing to see during the month and you people need escapism. That's why summer blockbusters exi- exist, I believe. You yeah. want to escape summer. Yeah. yeah. Or just get out of the, the sun. Maybe. Maybe. And it's like, guys, you're like, hey, did you see the new movie? Even though you forget about it the next day, <laughs> it's still something yeah. to do for 10 bucks. So Transformers makes $836 million. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've done the least favorite. Now, gentlemen, it's time for the very last category. The greatest of all time. What, greatest blockbuster of all time. What, what is your greatest blockbuster? Are you going to agree on this? I'm going to go first. No, we're not. Because we're not. we've already chosen each other's movies. Yeah. I was so, going to say, I'm, I'm kind of guessing what yours is. I know what yours is. And yours is a very good and safe answer, and mine I, is a very good and safe answer. All right, so answer. Joel, Joel will say Kent's, and Kent, you can say Joel's. All right, what did I choose? I think you chose Jurassic Park. And you chose Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Are we right? <laughs> yeah, we're right. <laughs> finger boop. Finger, finger boop. boop. Is that a finger boop? We didn't boop. match. No, but we each yeah, chose yeah. Yeah. what the other would love well, and chooses the greatest. And in fairness, I, did, I chose the original Star Wars trilogy. Oh, if I, cheat. No, it, no, if I had to pick one, it would obviously be Star Wars, yeah. 1977, because that one made, it was a budget of $11 million and it made $775 million, which is funny because then if you look at the other sequels, they didn't make quite as much, uh, even though they had higher budgets, like uh, Empire Strikes Back, you had $18 million budget, it only made $530 million. And what then, a letdown, am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the Return geez. of the Jedi, it was a 40, $42 million and it only made $500 million. So none of them quite retained that original. So if I had oh, to pick one... It would be the original Star Wars. Yeah. But I feel like like Jaws maybe have set up the summer blockbuster, but Star Wars two years later made it an event where it was like, you need to see this movie mm-hmm. or you're going to miss out. Yeah. And you need to see it in theater. It changed everything. So, I mean, obviously there's, there's not much that can be more said about Star Wars, but seeing as how it was this hokey uh, sci-fi movie that like Alec Guinness didn't quite understand. He yeah. was like, yeah, whatever. Let's just be in your movie. movie sure. And like even the people producing the movie didn't quite understand what's going on. But then you get George Lucas, uh, who's a great idea man. And then he actually, he directed that first one, didn't he? Yeah, he nope. did. He did? He directed the first one. Irvin Kirshner. Directed, sure? Yeah, George Lucas directed the first. Irvin Kirshner directed the second. Richard Marcon directed the third. But here's the thing about Star Wars movies is that I, when you get the, uh, they were usually released in May. That's when like the original trilogy and all the prequels were released in May. Mm-hmm. And then with the sequel series, they started releasing them in December. Yes. I think that's what killed it. Right then. <laughs> that's that what it was? That's the what holiday it season the magic, Star Wars. The magic was the Star oh, Wars that's summer. That's true. Holiday did kill Star Wars because the holiday special really started off on the wrong <laughs> foot. <laughs> oh, man. It's true. It's true. So, yeah, I, Star Wars is my pick. It's, yeah, a great pick. So, for me, Jurassic Park is, it's not even in my top 20 favorite movies of all time, but this is one of the most impactful movies I've ever Jurassic seen. Jurassic Park is not your top 20? I know, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. Well, he's got all his hipster picks. I've gone a little dark. Apparently. But Jurassic Park, this there's, is one. There's 10 Christopher what's, Nolans in there. What's darker than a Dilophosaurus ripping apart, <laughs> <laughs> ripping apart Newman in a, in a Jeep? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> 
I saw this movie probably seven times in the theater. I don't even know where I got the money, but somehow I found it in the couch or something. <laughs> but Back then, movies cost a nickel. Yeah, it's a nickel. But this one, everything, the score, these, like you said, CG and the practical effects mixed, uh, the the acting is in. And honestly, this is all ages entertainment. And a lot of these blockbusters are, you with some exceptions. All ages. Yes. This is more like phase two horror movie training, I think, when it's like there's some really genuinely That's strong true. parts in there. Well, if, yes. If you're over the age of, if you're a tween or above, I think that's a, it's perfectly fine to but watch. But I feel like kids should even know about monster movies in a way that this movie shows, like dinosaurs. You learn about dinosaurs from a very young age, and I was obsessed. Historically inaccurate dinosaurs. <laughs> but I was obsessed. They have feathers. No. <laughs> they say that in the movie. I was obsessed with dinosaurs, and I played with dinosaur toys all the time. And when I saw this, I started drawing dinosaurs every single day. This crafted my young, geeky life. Mm-hmm. And then sequels came out and that's another story prequels and sequels prequels and sequels oh my gosh no no not star wars jurassic park oh that's right (laughs) i was like there's a prequel for well technically i mean jurassic world's the only one you like better than the original right jake that's what you were telling me earlier Fallen kingdom maybe oh god (laughs) (laughs) it's written in stone now (laughs) no 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 but i i find i find this movie to be absolute magic i could not believe what i was seeing it's on screen it didn't launch an entire amazing franchise, but that was then ruined. Oh wait, it did. <laughs> yeah, it kinda, both both, both of these kind of had that, didn't they? But at least yes. we had three strong ones in Star Wars. Uh, but yeah, I, I think those are both good choices uh, for blockbusters because you think about summer; those are definitely movies that come to mind, and they do feel kind of like the primary answers. Maybe it's a little obvious, yeah, but it's the right obvious answer. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, it's still maybe a good if, conversation though. If we were to do another category show, I guess maybe we go a little more hipster next time. Okay, I'm ready for it. Yeah, you are hipster summer blockbuster. I think we need to do a flops show. In fact, Jake and I were talking. Summer about flops. this the other day. That summer flops. One. Yeah, it would be. I'll add yeah. the list mm-hmm. right now. No, I'll wait until after we're done recording. <laughs> <laughs> you got excited. We have done it all. 16 categories, and we have gone through. Man, that is a lot of movies, a lot of summer blockbusters, and there's so many more. Though. You guys had some cool facts in there, too. So I think that was that was a lot of fun. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, Jacob. You bet. You bet. Yeah, Which so, you kind of had to since we we're talking about movies. Jacob, if you had knows. to pick your greatest of all time summer blockbuster, which, which way would you lean? I have given this no thought. Joel Twist. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be Independence Day. Yeah! Greatest of all time. No, it's 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 personal, not because of Most the, America. It's it's the movie that I went in thinking, eh, eh, eh. And then I saw that probably five times in the theater, and it was just like it was perfect for me at the time. I thought it was so awesome. When you say the theater, do you just mean your aunt's house? Because she was the only one that had a TV in the neighborhood. <laughs> no, it was, it was a crank theater. theater. <laughs> yeah. It was a crank theater. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you had an Amish buggy that powered it, actually. It was pretty wow, amazing. That's, they were willing to do that? Honestly, in a way, it was better than the regular because it was like really cool science. How they made electricity <laughs> with a buggy. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> we all right. get it. <laughs> All right, before we sign off, I want to give some love to our awesome patrons who are supporting Gross. us, starting with... <laughs> Wait, how do we do hey, that again? Look, if they, if they, if it's like Lombada. Nope, keep moving. It's consensual. I, I saw Wrap about it up. That. All right. Uh, first is our I Am The Listener category. Uh, we're going to start with Terry Finley. Go Supernatural. A More Civilized Podcast. Jordan Rexnick. Stephen Ross. And Adrian Gray, the former The Listener Emeritus. And from our Bacon Council, thank you guys. Nicole D. Hale, Spencer Myers, The Spirit of 38 podcast, Chris Anderson, Ryan Farron, and Matt's 
Mudro. Thank you. Matt's is the best. Thank you. Thank you, each and every one of you, for your support. And those of you who are not getting your names read, come on Patreon and support us. Yeah, join us. So that we can read your names and uh, give you some cool perks. And we're going to have an event soon with our Baking Council guys where we're going to give them uh, access to what's coming up this rest of the year on Bacon Sale and give them some creative input as well. Some opportunities there. Yeah. But if you want to find me, I'm still suspended from Twitter. But you can find me performing <laughs> with Quick Wits. <laughs> they perform every Saturday at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quick Wits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. That was very fast, Ken. Yes, Micro Machines. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob A. Rogers, where I'm just talking to people about bacon sale. And uh, if Twitter suspended me, though, Joel, I mean, it would really only be bacon sale if he's sad about you've if been it, a long it, time if a tree fell down Over in the month. woods would anyone <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> yeah uh and i already mentioned patreon go to patreon.com if you want to support us there tpublic.com slash bacon sale for our merchandise store and uh go like and follow us on facebook mm-hmm. leave us a uh review on, on itunes, oh, yeah, it's iTunes as well yeah. yeah yeah so until next time wow what a podcast this has been bacon sale I've never found you more attractive than I do right now, Joel. <laughs> Just our wise pray. There is only one Joel. Here can be only one. What a Saturday morning watching people rip out each other's hearts. <laughs> Kalima. We are Legion. But I do want to see the Matt Williams franchise. <laughs> which I live up. Okay. And I went in like, that was cool. Bat damn! I can't just go through puberty. No. 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 Why does he do villain laughs after dad jokes? I don't understand. Blah movie, but fun Sega game. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, kids gotta learn about murder. Finger boop. Boop. It's like Christopher Nolan making me think. The bus is about to leave. And I'm like, well, you do what you want. Oh. I know you'll make the right decision. No, Mom Gill. <laughs> they were dancing really close. <laughs> like, I'll never get that close so with a girl. Dirty. <laughs> and it's it'll, true. It'll come someday. Yeah, yeah, someday? Yeah, yeah someday. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, getting older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You hang on, buddy. This Wolverine is a pansy. Uh, oh, no. Oh, banned from Twitter. <laughs> What have you done? I love the nose flute. It's my second favorite instrument. Let us play the nose flute. Release the Kent cut. There's Robot Pompoko at one point. <laughs> robot Pompoko? <laughs> yeah. That's what we're calling that now? Pompoko? Yeah. What is that? You, you know what it is. The... There's Pompoko. a giant robot with swinging Pompokos. Gen Z... Is are dumb? I'm dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I are dumb.